everyone. It is <clears throat> Wednesday, the 26th of June, 2019. This is Raptors in the Kitchen, and uh, I'm one of your hosts, Tommy Vass, and I'm joined by Neil, with Neil McCulloch. Hi there. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, there is no Paco Rodriguez this week, as he is away climbing some mountains. Well, actually... He's not there yet, is he? He went through Paris. So. No, he's there. Uh, he's been posting pictures from the Camino. He's uh, away doing the Camino de Santiago de Compostela, mm-hmm. uh, which is a... Translates as Spanish mountains. Yeah, it's, a, it's a very <laughs> famous uh, pilgrimage walking route. But, uh, yeah, for him it's not a pilgrimage, though. I mean, he just, I think he wants well, to go. He's afraid, He's he was saying that he wasn't too keen because there's a lot of folk that go there to, like, find yeah, themselves. It's, it's, very, it's very much a... Spiritual a journey. Spiritual journey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's how Paco got his groove back, is how we're calling it. <laughs> Paco, you should change that. That should be the name of your uh, photo album on uh, Facebook and that. But yeah, if you happen to have Paco on Facebook, or I'd imagine he's posted on Twitter as well, you can probably follow his progress. He looks like he's having a great time. Uh, yeah, he's really meeting, good weather for it as well. random people and things like that. <clears throat> yeah, probably uh, learning a lot about himself, etc. Doing, doing <laughs> a bit of swinging. I do have thing, uh, <laughs> Swinging in the mountains, man. Ah, well, but yeah, that's it. Uh, so unfortunately, Rodriguez won't be here for another two and a half, three weeks. Um, so yeah, so good luck listening to us too. So uh, with nobody that's woke to yeah, yeah, to keep us in line. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna try and we're gonna try and do this regularly. But uh, me, like Paco, is usually well, he's 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 the tech guy. Usually he edits the show and that, so you have to bear with us. But me and you, yeah. So so if the if this episode sounds a bit rubbish and poorly edited and stuff, well. Yeah, we don't know what we're doing. Yeah, it's like this is uh, Raptors Raw. You know, we don't have the tech guy with us. Yeah. You might not if there if there wasn't the music at the start. Eh, that's how it goes. Yeah, so don't worry about it. But um, yeah, hopefully we can. We'll, we'll still uh, give you a good show. But anyway, so Neil, how has your week been? What's I been happening? It's been all right. It was my birthday on Monday. It sure was. Um, had a very kind of quiet day. Just. Went to the cinema a couple of times, had some dinner uh, with my parents. It was very nice, mm-hmm. very kind of quiet. Um, and uh, what what restaurant did you go to? It was, it, was, um, it was the same one we were just at, right? No, no, um, I went to Iberica right. uh, on, I wouldn't say Hope Street. Right. Yeah, as it's Hope Street. Yeah. Um, that's a street in Glasgow for all our foreign friends. Mm-hmm. Um, What's up, Canada? And whoever's, I don't know who's the, uh, who's leading in terms of the, uh, the world listers rather than just the British ones. Yeah, I don't know how to check that. <laughs> oh, I, I, I know, we just haven't done it, no, we will. Fair it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was very nice, uh, Spanish tapas, um, Galician style tapas, mm-hmm. uh, which is the north of Spain, very much the area where, Sp- where Paco is just now. Right. Um, yeah, so uh, if you like a good tapas meal, go to Iberica. Uh-huh. Iberica gives some more tapas. <laughs> yeah, it's like we we throw out we we, we throw out these uh, we shouts every week, but we've yet to hear from uh, McVitie's and Lucasaid and other such uh, things. But uh, we're we're keeping our keeping our fingers crossed. Mm. Uh, me and you went for. Uh, well, we went in the cinema today. And we went for a very decent meal at a Japanese restaurant. Is how long's that been opened? Is it well, Makaku? It, it's Makaku on Queen Street. Ah. Uh, it used to be Ramen Dayo, right? Uh, but there's there's this um, a couple of people who formed the original Ramen Dayo has split with them. So there's now the Ramen Dayo that's in Ashton Lane, 
uh-huh. now the Ramondale and Makaku is the kind of new one from the other people. Um, it's yeah, it was really good. That's the second time me and Paco went last week. Yeah, uh, it was really good. I highly recommend that as well. You had a unfortunate. Uh, run in with some spicy spicy chicken oh yeah that, <laughs> that oni sauce is uh, <clears throat> rough it's, it's heavy duty rough yeah I, I mean it's we, we had it the day I know you's had a bit more you and Pac had a bit more food to, to contend with as well as the fact that this food was really warm now don't get me wrong this chicken is spicy and when you bite into it, it is a you know you just become a sweaty mess but it, it wasn't as bad for me than that chilli that me and our good friend Stevie Pollock bit into in Poland and proceeded to... I mean, it was torture. I don't know how folk... Like, I mean, I like spicy food. I like hot, spicy food. Um, Especially, excuse me, spicy chicken. But this pepper, which seemed harmless, I mean, I was holding my ears because my senses were, like, being completely invaded. I honestly felt like, you know, if they had asked me, did you shoot JFK, I would have admitted to it just to make the pain stop because it was it was fucking uncomfortable. But this chicken that we had today, it had that initial, you're eating it, oh, there's the spice, there's the hotness. Then a wee bit of water and we had, like, because you get two cocktails with this deal. So I had, like, a gin cocktail it was okay but then the kind of spiciness resurfaced and it was just all around your lips and mouth you're like yeah it's still there and it's going to take a wee while for it to go away but yeah but Uh, I'm not like I like spicy food but I'm not into super spicy food I like spice but still with flavour right Um, so this was like my threshold of I can eat this but I wouldn't ever go any higher yeah Um, I think my threshold I found that, well, I kind of found my threshold a few years ago, about, it's about a decade ago actually, and it was when I went to uh, Nando's, and Nando's, I mean, it's just, you like chicken, you like chicken, it's nothing special, um, and you've got the three kind of options of mild, maybe uh, mild, hot, and then very hot, mm-hmm. and I had very hot chicken, and I, it was a waste of £15, because mm. I had it, and all I could taste was fire with everything. And I was like, "Yeah, this is too hot. Why is this even an option? Because you you just you don't taste anything. You might as well be biting a flame." Yeah, that, that's how I feel about buying spicy food. Let's see these folks. They'll go into uh, like an Indian and go, "Give me the hottest thing you have, mm-hmm. and then make it hotter." It's like, what are you even doing? It's like, yeah, this isn't. It's not a pissing contest. Yeah. I'm not measuring your dick. I think, uh, I don't know, I think folk, especially like, you know, they, like if they're with the boys or they're with their partner or whatever, they want to kind of prove themselves, you want to be a man and all that. Uh, and then there's other things where it's like, oh, I've never tried that. And again, I'll be in our example. Uh, I was with my girlfriend at the time in Birmingham, which is uh, quite well known for its curries. And I never had a Vindaloo curry, but I'd heard about it and thought, well, you know, that's something I want to try because I've heard about it. And it was, I regretted that shit mm. immediately. It was far too hot. I was sweating fucking buckets and I drank about three pints of milk. And even then, it still was like a fucking jungle fire in my mouth. Mm. It was unreal. But I learned from that. And then I also 
recently noticed that I think it's Asda or Morrison's are doing Vindaloo pizzas um, and immediately the trauma came back to me. It was as if that it was like the Vietnam helicopter started <laughs> uh, coming back to me. You know, I was like, ah, oh, holy shit, man, like that bit in Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh man, fuck it. I can already remember the trauma that that Vindaloo caused and I don't know why MD would want that in a fucking pizza, but yeah, I, I, th- that was my two thresholds. The, the, the Nando's thing was afterwards, the Vindaloo. I was like, okay, in terms of curries, I know where I'm at now. Yeah. But I, I'll tell you what, right? How do you rate a korma in terms of curry? Well, I a curry. But do you ever, like, see when you get a curry, like, especially when you get a korma, korma do you get moods where you're like, I like a korma, or do you ever think, it's kind of bland? No, I, I like a korma, but like, me and Stevie Pollock, used to, when we used to live together, uh, we used to get this thing from uh, Balti Club on uh, Woodlands Road. Oh, I remember that. They uh, did the 200 Pakora. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which was called, it was like the special gourmet curry or something like that. Oh, yeah. It was like 15 quid, you got... Three different curries, a rice, a naan bread, and a pakora, or something uh-huh. like that with it. Right. And we would always have at least one korma, because Pollock always loved a korma. Well, that, that's the thing, because Pollock's always, ever as long as I've known him, whenever he gets a curry, it's mm. always a korma. I've never seen him get, like, a tikka masala. Although, if I was to guess, if someone said to me, what do you think you get, rather a korma, it'd probably be a tikka masala. Yeah. But I, I've never heard of him getting, like, I don't know... A Rogan Josh or yeah. something like that, you know. I just I didn't know if that was his. So bag. so it was always at least we always had at least one korma, mm-hmm. and I liked I liked that when you had a korma with your other ones, right? Because um, it was good to have that kind of balance of flavour right. and kind of balance of heat. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I would ever I would never choose a korma straight away as my all right. I'm going to Indian. I must get a korma. Right. Okay. Okay. No, I just I don't know. I just I've, it's not that. Whenever I've had a korma, I'm just I don't feel like I'm eating a curry. I think it's I always associate curry with some kind of hot and spiciness, and I've never had a spicy korma. Maybe they exist. I don't know. But yeah, um, I don't see why they probably couldn't make a korma spicy. Jane the Balti Club still do that two hundred. They do. Thing. Oh no, they do. Eh? Oh, man. A lot of places do that now. Um, well, it's probably a party. It's, pack. it's a it's party packs. A lot of these yeah. places do now. Yeah, uh, but certainly that was the original one which we got. Yeah, that was watching that the Born trilogy. Yeah, yeah, back in two thousand seven, when Born Ultimatum Fuck was coming me, out. Was that two thousand seven? Two thousand seven, when the Born. <laughs> Christ, we're so old. Yeah, we are. When the Born Ultimatum was, it was on that night, and we were in the old flat. Me, you, Paco, Pollock, the lot of us, Danny, Jizo, loads of folk, and it was like two hundred per quarter for. X amount of money and we bought it and pied out watching The Born Identity and Supremacy and like fairly got a wee bit drunk or whatever and then went to watch The Born, Ide- uh, the Born Ultimatum mm. which was amazing and still is and still sh- and it should have ended yeah, The so Born Trilogy but you know that got- is only like, it was like 50 quid for 200 Bacora or something like and that. that was between a lot of us yeah. I remember our and pal- there was still loads of left aye because you remember our pal Jamie Rice, he was coming through from shots. Yeah. And we kept sending him photographs of like all of us eating the chicken pakora because he was fucking raging. <laughs> he was like, Save me another fucking chicken pakora. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, 2007. Yeah, yeah, that was back man. in the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so other than eating food with you today, I ate food with you yesterday. Yeah. Uh, what else did I do this week? Not much, really. Uh, I worked, well, I worked uh, 
Saturday. Uh, my knee wasn't very good. Um, mm. My ongoing knee, knee issues, people. Uh, it wasn't very good on Saturday and Sunday, so I only did like a, a couple hours of prep on Sunday. Mm. Uh, but I got that sorted on Monday morning. All right. Um, yeah, I've not really done very much. I finished watching uh, season three. Uh, Stardust Crusaders of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh, unfortunately, um, Paco's not here for you. Yeah, to talk so the, this is the part. That, this is the part of the show when I just step back and I just kind of listen to you as and drink my juice. Yeah, so <clears> this <throat> week's anime minute will probably only be a minute. <laughs> yeah, because we got you. Also, got to consider Paco. I know will probably be watching stuff in between walking the Camino, but yeah, you just watch what in, you're saying in, in case we, he yeah. hasn't caught up before by to the end of that. Um, there was a point with JoJo's where it was do it kind of like the seasons like forty two episodes or 40, maybe actually forty four wow. episodes long. Um, only like fifteen. Like they're, no, they're like twenty five minutes each. Twenty five minutes. Um, but because of the way the show's set up, where the whole thing was like them journeying from Tokyo to Cairo, mm-hmm. uh, and every episode, well, every episode and subsequent maybe one or two episodes after mm-hmm. would be their fight with the next person in their path mm-hmm. they got to a point where it was maybe, it was still good still enjoyable but it was starting to kind of grind a wee bit right uh, but and they kind of changed up the format <clears> a wee <throat> bit and some of those episodes worked better than others mm-hmm. but see the, the last six episodes mm-hmm. of that of that season are brilliant <laughs> uh, and especially the last four the last four episodes are fucking fantastic. <laughs> like I, t- I sent you the video. You sent me the video, bit, yeah. Which, Paco, if you're listening, skip forward to me because I'm going to tell the people about this because it's so amazing. There is, right, so Dio Brando, who's the main villain, who they've been tra- that's who they've been travelling to get to, is an immortal vampire. He goes fucking super saiyan. He, he's, he has the ability to stop time. Paco, I hope you've stopped listening because that, that's a big spoiler. Yeah. Uh, his ability to stop time. However, Jotaro Joestar punch, uh, punches him so fast and so hard mm-hmm. that even though he's in the process of stopping time and they animate it so well, this big fist just scuds him and shatters his skull <laughs> and fucks up the whole left side of his brain that when they come out of the stop time... Dio tries to stand up, but because he's so fucked, unless he's like he's an immortal vampire, so exactly, his body yeah, should yeah. heal mm-hmm. pretty much. He's like like T one thousand kind of. Aye. you shoot him, the, the bullet hole closes. Yeah, like Logan. Yeah. But he's so, but he's so fucked up by this one punch that he can't stand up, and he's paralysed him with the legs. It's mm-hmm. fucking amazing. Yeah. I, I was, was, I, I, was I, watched, balls. I watched the video and it was pretty bloody graphic and cool. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was something else. <clears throat> but yeah, so you watched uh, all of JoJo. Yeah, so I've watched all of JoJo's. I, I think I'm going to take a wee break from JoJo and uh, not jump straight into season four. Um, uh, Evangelion started on um, Netflix, which I'm go- I'm going to start this week. Uh, but I might also start Attack on Titan. Um, oh so. fuck! I Paco can't. Well, I say Paco get get enough of that. He he did watch an ep where he's now like shit. Sat this yeah. He, a he was saying that he yeah. wasn't quite into where they're maybe going with it. Yeah, Ach, well, uh, well. So is that is that been your week? 
Pretty much. I've nearly done very much. Uh, yeah. Yeah, between the cinema, being sore, a bit of work. And your birthday. My birthday, yes, mm. yeah. 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 Um, Eat, I've eaten out three days in a row. Yeah, no, I better stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, well, um, I was up north for a week. Uh, I just went up, uh, had some holidays to take, and plus it was a friend, a friend I've known since I was like five years old. It was his birthday, and he kind of has a thing every year. Um, so as well as I was like scheduling it for that, it was just a time to go home. So I went home like last Wednesday, and um, yeah, just did my usual when I go up to the Highlands. Um, prepare the wicker man. No, I make that, I make that joke far too often. Um, but yeah, so all I did was I went home and I just chilled. Like you know that way where you know you you just kind of need some time away and it just it's like you're not necessarily going to do anything for the first couple of days. You're just going to chill and especially where I come from, it's a very rural part of the Highlands. Um, and it is very much you know one shop and the nearest town is six miles away and the buses are every hour and a half or whatever so all I did was just chill with my family um, caught up with my mum my and my stepdad watched a bit of uh, the Women's World Cup which I'll be honest with you I've been very much enjoying the only thing that I haven't been enjoying is uh, some of the controversy involving the VAR uh, system that has been implicated in uh, world football uh, that has been a bit shit but I've enjoyed the quality of football I know a lot of folk don't share that sentiment but um, I think it's been what, what I've seen of it I think it's been a good standard of football It's it's been nice to see football without all the play acting and the exactly. diving around that's, that's something I cannot praise enough that I think is great is watching the Women's World Cup um, rather than watching like the Men's World Cup or just men's football in general you've got folk that are on like you know 80 million uh, contracts and they're diving about the place and play acting and a lot of theatrics or they're cheating to get penalties. When you're watching the Women's World Cup, there's a lot of, if, if, if someone goes down, they're down, there's no crying play acting, it's like they'll get back up or they're, they're sore, they're actually sore and they don't make a big deal about it or... You know, things like that. It's just been, don't get me wrong, there, there has been some incidents uh, like involving like the Cameroon uh, team and that. Uh, and like, I mean, I, I, there was like spitting and hair pulling and things like that from some of the t- teams as well. But generally, I have enjoyed, I enjoyed watching that. Um, but yeah, so I watched that um, and uh, I, I got to see my, my niece who is one and a half years old and my God, like it's, uh, for MD that's like a parent out there, uh, I got nothing but the utmost respect in terms of dealing with children. I mean, I I I was like playing with her and like running about with her for like an hour and a bit and holy shit, I was shattered. I I, I can't I, like it just I was like, how can a small thing have that amount of energy and not be shattered? It was fucking baffling to watch uh, another human just so tiny and so just full of like the fucking Duracell bunny and not be tired for hours and hours and hours, whereas I was shattered. I was like, fuck, I, when my brother came in to pick her up, I was like, fucking hell, man, I need a cup of tea. And he's like, he's like she's fucking non-stop. It's absolutely, I'm absolute maniac. So don't get me wrong, it was great, though. I mean, I got to see her, so I did that. Um, and then I went up on Saturday. Oh, well, there was a, <laughs> I was telling Neil about this, there was a, a mini music festival uh, in uh, my uh, home village, which was strange as well, because... It was one of those things where I went into the shop and uh, was catching up with a few folk and I was like, where he's off to? I was like, oh, there's a wee mini music festival. I was like, mini music festival? And it just wasn't like advertised anywhere. It was kind of word of mouth and then folk just ended up going on and that was a thing. So I thought that was, that was kind of fun. 
Uh, I never went, but you know, I'd probably go next year if I knew about it in advance. And then I went up to Inverness on the Saturday uh, to see my friend. Uh, gave him his uh, gave him his birthday present. He gave me my Christmas present because I haven't seen him since then. And it was awesome. It was a t-shirt of uh, Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees playing pool. <laughs> and it like might be my new favourite t-shirt. Um, and then uh, basically the plan was, right, we're going to have a couple of drinks. Well, first of all, we went to this... Went to this uh, it's kind of like a harvester, but it was called the Three Witches, and holy shit, I like for a burger, chips, and a pint, it was 16 quid. It was mental. For what you got, I was like, I cannot, ju- I don't know how you can justify that, but hey ho. Well, it's the, it's the Highlands. Where Still, else it was go? in Inverness, though. I was like, man, it's not like this is like the only game in town. It was crazy. It was like nine ninety five for a burger and chips, and then it was like four fifty for a pint. And I was just like, the burger and chips is it was the equivalent of what you would get in like a Weatherspoons for the six pound eighty deal. Yeah. So it was crazy. I was like, anyway, so we did that, and then uh, I went and met my mate, and we're like, right, cool, exchange presents, uh, presents, and happy birthday, and whatnot. And then it was like, right, we're gonna go to the barbecue, and we went to his friend's house. And there was two things. He was like, right, he's got this new barbecue he wants to show us. So I'm expecting mm. we're going to go into this back garden. There's going to be one of those grills where you're kind of standing up and you can open it up and it's going to be very fancy and whatever. And there's going to be chairs and that. We got to his pal's house. Now, this was there was two things that were strange about this house. It was a, it was a nice house, but it had a back garden, but no back door. There was no back door. I, I was like, it was astonishing. You had to kind of come through the front door and go round the back. And I'm like... Why not? Why have I got? And there was like a, there was, I think there was a washing line. I can't remember, but I was like, what was is, it, what's what, the deal with this? Was it like an upstairs, downstairs affair? It was a flat where there was the flat, I think the flat was downstairs and there was a flat upstairs. But the same, right, okay, at the same yeah. point, you're like, why not have access to this back garden All through right. a back door? So again, that, that fucking messed with me. And then we went round and we seen this thing and it was like, it was just a couple of, there was a couple of chairs and we just had this like wee uh, barbecue uh, on the ground and uh, it wasn't even on the go and we're like right cool so what's, what's happening and they just they couldn't get it on the go and I was like well, this is going to take ages so what eventually ended up happening was they went in again they had to go around the front door and into the kitchen and put like sausages and burgers in the oven on the grill and then we're serving them in the back garden where we were all kind of sitting there watching this barbecue not go. <laughs> so, needless to say, it was a really strange barbecue. But I didn't mind it. It was it was a good laugh. It was it was a nice talking point. And then just went out to Inverness and went to a couple of pubs and it was it was a very very chilled out cool affair. And then that was it. And then I came back um, came back on the Monday and uh, yeah, like just uh, what did I do? I went and watched the uh, well. Me and you went ate out and went and watched Child's Play last night. And then we watched Toy Story 4 the day and uh, went to that place where, again, you were saying it's like, you can, it's like £27 and you get like this, vo- well, it's a twice. Oh, it's, a, it's an it is on uh, deal. Yeah. Uh, which have been running since they opened. Which yeah. I remember seeing a, a message on Facebook today saying they're almost finished them, their allocation of them. Uh, so if you want to get involved in that, do it quickly. You but should do it. It's a great deal. It's twenty. It's twenty six pound. You get a ramen. Uh, it's for two people. You get a ramen each, three sides, uh, and a cocktail each. Yeah. Uh, and it's well worth it. Oh. Yeah, it's fa- it's a fantastic deal. Absolutely, it was uh, it was brilliant. Um, but in terms, so you watched Jojo. 
You've watched that on the telly. Yeah. In terms of my TV viewing just now, <clears throat> I'm just still making my way through the wire. Uh, and it is just still, I mean, on season four now, I've just been absolutely blitzing that. And even though it was like 2000, I mean, now it's like, because it's season four, it's now 2006 that it would have been uh, going for. And uh, season four is absolutely fantastic. And again, it's this is my second time viewing it. And I actually view this as probably my favorite TV drama in terms of the writing, that or the West Wing. In terms of the writing, it's fantastic. <laughs> the character development's great. There's more. There's so many characters that they play with, uh, and develop them really well. And uh, the plot and the stories. Uh, sorry, the stories and the different plots for each season move along at a brilliant pace. So, season four has been absolutely great. And uh, uh, I've been like messaging uh, our good friend Alan Kerr about it. Uh, I've been messaging you about it. So it's been an absolute pleasure to talk about. In terms of uh, other TV shows. I've yet to watch what we do in the shadows, but I will get onto that. And um, again, I, I finished watching that. But I think I, yeah, I think I told you about it last week. You did, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like I, again, watched the we bit the women's World Cup uh, when I was at home, uh, and it was one of those. It's one of those times where it's like it's night, and I'm like, right, well, what's on? What's on the old sky and all that? And I stuck on. I don't even. I can't remember who directs it, but it's written by Diablo Cody. Uh, I watched uh, some of Jennifer's Body, starring. Um, I think Diablo Cody directs it. Does she direct it? It's starring uh, Megan Fox, and uh, oh shit, Karen from Mean Girls. Um. No, I, oh fuck! I didn't there. See, see, as soon as you said Karen from Mean Girls, that yeah. kind of went out my brain. Uh, Amanda Seyfried. Amanda Seyfried, that was it. And man, that is uh, trash. Right, you better watch how you say to her, uh, some hate speech you're talking. I I thought it was <laughs> I thought it was garbage, but I just, no, as it's crap. It's I crap. I um again. Not really a huge fan of Diablo Cody, uh, Diablo Cody's uh, screenplay or dialogue. Oh, oh, oh. What? Okay, it's uh, directed by Ka- uh, Karen Kusama. Tommy, do you know anything else directed by Karen Kusama? Um, I, I probably do, but um, remind me. Eon Flux. Ooh, oh, that's bad. That's oh, bad. yes, it is. Is there anything else? Uh, she actually directed the film called The Invitation, which is actually pretty good. Is that the remake of A Tale of Two Sisters? Uh, no, it's not. All right, okay. Uh, the re- remake of A Tale of Two Sisters... Was that called The Uninvited? It's called The Uninvited, ah, yeah. yeah. that's it. And that's a dreadful film. Uh, you're, I know you're a big fan of uh, A Tale of Two Sisters. I thought... I remember at the time thinking it, it deviates enough away from the original where I don't really... It was very forgetful, but I don't uh, forgettable. Sorry, and I'm just like whatever. But yeah, I mean, I mean, a tale two sisters a great movie. She also directed one of the segments of XX, which was a a horror anthology. Right. Old, uh, all of them directed by female directors. Okay. I can't remember what section it is. I remember that being quite good. Okay. Uh, but I mean, me and you have talked about sometimes you'll get like directors. Uh, I don't know. It's it's weird. I mean, it's. I remember me and you had a conversation about like when you get. We were talking about the the ring, and I was I was saying how I didn't mind the remake of the ring, um, even though it was it was Gore Verbinski that did that, um, but then 
the the Ring, not I. When the Ring Two came out, the original director of the Ring Two, which you said you really enjoyed, I still mm. haven't seen it. Directed that and just shat all over it, and you're like, I don't, was that Hollywood's doing, or why would you want it, to do it, that? It's a know? different story. It's right. it's not a, it's not really a direct remake. Mm. Uh, but it's still it wasn't good though. No, it's rubbish. Yeah, you know, the remake. Well, the Ring Two. Right, we'll, we'll talk Ringu and Ring 2 to make things easier. Right, okay. Ringu 2 is, I think it's a far more psychological horror film than mm-hmm. certainly Ringu 1. Yeah. Um, whereas the remake, uh, whereas Ring 2, just it's all jump scares. Yeah, it's, and crappy it's, CGI. It's kind of, it's, that was, that was early 2000s, wasn't it? I was like yeah, 2002 it's, it's, or something it's, it's early 2000s <coughs> horror by numbers <clears throat> yeah absolutely absolutely um, but uh, I don't know like, I mean getting back to uh, Jennifer's body uh, oh jeez oh man I just again I was like okay so this is going to be like about like a succubus and this that and the other but I just I just said no nothing was happening I don't think Megan Fox is a good actress. I'm fairly sure she doesn't. Uh, I'm fairly sure she knows that as well. Um, Amanda Seyfried kind of just plods along, but I just there was nothing about it that I could get involved in. There was times where it was like, right, the horror elements are kind of could come into it, but I just couldn't get into it, man. I just, I, I just, I was like, I was saying to my mate who who quite liked it and was saying what I was saying was sacrilege and all that, and I just turned it off. I was like, I've got no time for this. And instead. <clears throat> I turned over just in time for uh, one of, if not my favourite, Steven Seagal film, Hard to Kill, came on. That is a belter movie. It is a belter movie. Uh, possibly the one of... It's, pro- no, um, it, it's probably his best name in a film. His name is Mason Storm, which is incredible. Uh, but yeah, the plot of Hard to Kill. Again, this is very much early 90s Seagal... Um, you probably say this is when Seagal was at his best. Uh, that and then maybe Under Siege. Um, Mark for Death, mate. Mark for Death's a good movie, actually. Mark for Death doesn't get mentioned a lot. Nico's good as well. But that was like that whole early, early late 80s, early 90s I, I would say that Steven Seagal has a solid run of about five films. Right. From Nico to Under Siege. Like on on Deadly Grounds where he starts getting rubbish. <laughs> that that is that is the clear point where he goes downhill. Yeah, because everything before that is it, it's it's dodgy eighties action movies. Yeah, but it's solid Nico, dodgy eighties action. Ah, movie. so you've got like Nico out for, out for justice, justice, Mark for death, Mark for death, hard to kill, hard to and kill. under siege. Aye, yeah, solid five. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And then you've got like on Deadly Ground, and then I mean. He's an executive decision, but Aye, not for, like for long. Five minutes. Yeah, yeah. No, he's not in it for long. Um, but yeah, I agree with that. But yeah, Mark for Death, uh, for anyone who remembers, it's the one where Seagal is in a coma for seven years and has to avenge the death of um, his wife and he thinks his kid's dead, but he's not. It's not uh, hard to kill. Sorry, what, we, what did I say? Mark for Death. Oh no, Hard to Kill, sorry. Yeah. Hard to Kill. <laughs> Mark for Death is, uh, I'm trying to think, is that not with the, the Yakuza? No, it's Mark for Death. I've I have recollection of Mark for Death being, uh, it's like voodoo stuff. No, you're right. That is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, 
I couldn't give you any more plot details, but yeah, that's the the voodoo one. Yeah. Um, Out for justice is where you see the guy get his leg shotgunned off. Do you know? See, I I was a I was a young teen when I saw that, and when that bit happens, he shoots him with a shotgun and his leg falls off. I shit my pants in pleasure. Oh. Going, fuck me, that was amazing. Yeah, because I mean the rest, the, the majority of the film, like out for like out for justice is he's a New York cop with a fun accent, and he's basically out looking for these guys like all night, and then and there there's a couple of fun action scenes in there, but there really is that the the cherry on top is during this during this particular action scene where they're raiding this house, he just shoots a guy and it cuts to this guy's leg exploding yeah. and you're just like whoa like you know it just it's just like blows it off at the ankle it's yeah. fucking amazing it's like that bit in Roadhouse where he gets uh, Marshall R.T. gets his throat written throat ripped out you're like I didn't see how, that how does everything in this podcast Tommy come back to Roadhouse end up, end up coming back to Marshall R.T. because that scene we didn't that was a scene where you're like man I just shat my eggs at that I didn't see that coming this is a fairly alright action scene and then that happens Out for Justice does that, the same thing we're just a strange and and uh, fucking under siege has it just a strange tangent uh i was in work last week Mm -hmm. and one of the kps in our work uh boy from the boy from the gambia Mm uh he always goes on about how he loves old school stuff right um and we're talking about films and he goes have you seen roadhouse yeah Uh, like how do you know roadhouse how how, what's you how, be, do, how, do, how does a boy from the Gambia come all this way and he knows the roadhouse? That might be the when There's probably so maybe four other people in my work will probably go, I roadhouse is a built up. Back in his town, man, maybe that's the, the greatest movie ever made that everyone talks about. Yeah, possibly. But no, like again, in, um, Under Siege, it happens when right at the end where he's fighting Tommy Lee Jones and. He sticks this fucking knife in his oh, head, that's a bit and, amazing, then, and then smashes his face yeah. in a control panel. So it's like Seagal in every film has this one bit where the action scenes kind of plodding along, and some fucking magnificent piece of violence happens where you're like, "Holy shit, man!" Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, sorry. Uh, as I was saying, Hard to Kill is the one where he's a cop. Billy Sadler is um, a senator. And he catches Billy Sadler on camera doing some dodgy dealings. They they track down his family. They murder his family. Apart from his son, he gets away. And they think they've murdered Steven Seagal, Mason Storm. But it turns out they haven't murdered him. And he's just in a coma for seven years. And what that means in the action movie realm of, what, of comas is... He can't walk for about a day odds. And he's got a really long beard. But other than that, he's he learns his shit back and... Uh, he takes it to the baddies in a in a pretty cool uh, fight that involves pool cues. So Kelly LeBrock, that's yes, uh, yes. That, yeah, yeah, eighties bombshell Kelly LeBrock. Um, was she she was weird science, right? Weird science, yeah, that's and right. And the woman in red, and the woman in red, that's right. Um, but yeah, uh, so hard to kill. Needless to say, I was happy I turned it over from um, Jennifer's body, and uh, rewatching that again was just fun. Yeah. And it is, it's a very much. You stick it on. If you like that kind of period of action, you'll enjoy it. I'm not a huge fan of Seagal's uh, martial arts in his films because a lot of it feels like he's just slapping. Well, see, his martial arts, like, he's. Is it Aikido that I think, I think is, so is the I. thing he's supposed to do? Which is a defensive martial art. Mm-hmm. So that's why everything's kind of slapping because it's all 
pushing things away, mm-hmm. which is why it never ever looks that spectacular. Mm. But it's it's a functional martial. Oh, art. I mean, it, it it separated him from like a lot. I mean, because back then in the late eighties, early nineties, yeah, like he's not roundhouse kicking people in the face. Yeah, because so. you, you you had that period of, like where Van Damme was coming into his own, and he mm. was becoming like the biggest action star of that time. So you're gonna you're gonna have to kind of be different. So yeah, that was that. But yeah, Hard to Kill was a. Uh, Magnificent it was it was very. I, I've watched that a million times and uh, I love it. Um, I had to go solid. Yeah, it was. It really, really was. Um, and then I, I remember. I nearly said taped, showing my age there. Uh, recorded the last Boy Scout to watch, and the fucking recording stopped halfway through it. And was I, I was recording off Sky. I recorded it on the Skybox, yeah. and then it was just like. All oh, right, it's it's. Uh, and I was watching it and it just fucking cut out. I was yeah. like, "Fuck that!" I, I've done. I've had that before where I've recorded. St- I've been like recording the wrestling at night, mm-hmm. and it maybe records the first hour and then doesn't record the rest, or it records the third hour and hasn't recorded the two before it. Right, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't trust skyboxes for that kind of thing anymore. <laughs> I can't know this. I, that was the first time it's happened to me, and I was like, "Shit, this is this rubbish." I was gonna watch um, my stepdad record a, a very old film from the seventies. A big fan of Richard Burton called Villain, and it's set in England, and it's also got a young Ian McShane in it. And I watched about five ten minutes of it, and it was it was fine. Um, and it was just seeing Ian McShane young was strange because yeah. even when he's Lovejoy, he's not young. You know, uh, I've always got this picture of him just being old. He's yeah. looked. See the way that he looks in like Deadwood, like the original series of Deadwood. Yeah, he looked like that for like thirty years. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's it's, you. When you see an actor that's young, you're just like shit. I, that's 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 crazy. Yeah, yeah. Even like again, watching. It's not the same kind of time difference, but The Wire was like what two thousand. Well, it started in like two thousand two, two thousand three, and then today when we were the cinema, we watched. Um, the trailer for Hobbs and Shaw and Idris Elba just has not aged a day. He's like he's like Paul Rudd. Honestly, just has not aged at all from The Wire to everything I've seen him in recently, like Thor and uh, Luther and things like that. The only time he maybe shows is when he's got a wee bit of greyness in his beard, but he has not aged a bloody day. Well, I was going through um, whatever the Channel Four app is, uh, mm-hmm. and I saw the show Ultraviolet. Do you remember that about the vampires? Paco was Paco tried to get me that. He had the DVDs. It's got. Uh, yeah, he'll still have them over there. He does, but it's, I, I, uh, late nineties. Late nineties. Uh, Idris Elba is in that, Aye. and he looks exactly the same there wow. as he does now, apart from that wee bit of grey in his beard. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying, man. Absolutely, Might actually be a vampire. Who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so that was it. Uh, did you did you not say you watched like? You don't watch Rocket Man or Bohemian Rhapsody? Uh, yes, I watched uh, Bohemian Rhapsody in the house because uh, my mum and dad had it on. Did they enjoy it? Yeah, well, they fine. They thought it was fine. Mm. Um, I didn't really think that much of it, to be honest. Mm. Um, I thought it was very run-of-the-mill kind of revisionist history. Um, I didn't really, wasn't really, really into Remy Malik. I thought, well, I don't really think he's a good actor to begin with. Mm-hmm. I thought his take on um, Freddie Mercury was... Almost more of a caricature at times. Right. Uh, I didn't feel like I got a feel for what the real man was maybe like. Right. 
Um, but the, I mean, that's the thing about Bohemian Rhapsody. Inc. I said it as well. Is it marketed itself as you know, you know the story of Queen, but you don't know the story about the man uh, Freddie Mercury, and that that's all. That's utter shit. It's mm-hmm. like the film is purely a celebration of Queen and Queen songs. You get glimpses of what Freddie Mercury was like and growing up in that. But like you said, it plays with history. It's very much, again, I've said this before, it's like when you watch Braveheart, it's like a lot of folk get so roused up by the by what it means and it's nationalistic approach to being Scottish and mm-hmm. the battles and that. But it is complete, historically, complete shit. Yeah. It's bollocks. And it's, with Queen, it, it kind of doesn't really relish in it. It kind of forgets that because you're too busy. If you're a Queen fan, you're so much in, so much into the music. It's like what I mean you were talking about. There's there's biopics and then there's musical biopics. Yeah. Whereas you get biopics of like say Johnny Cash, whereas like right, the man's music's in it, but it's it's a film. It's telling his story through his eyes. This is more. There's a shit ton of music. Yeah. The scenes in between it, you know. Yeah, and I also went and saw Rocket Man, which yeah. is very very similar in style. Again, yeah, musical biopic is yeah. a musical biopic they use, but this Rocket Man is very much a musical. Oh yeah, uh, from the word go, it sets itself out as being more of a musical. Right, there's proper music yeah. set pieces with the actors like singing and all. But that I just way. feel that I felt Rocket Man was a better film. Yeah. I think the story it told was more well was I want to say more well developed but that's not the right Jake was like more Jake was more personal yeah see I got more of a feel for the man mm-hmm. but I again me yeah, but however mm-hmm. still it being quite revisionist history because of the way that they use the music yeah uh, like the time of when events happened and things like that was all out of whack um I thought Taron Egerton was very good as Elton John. It's probably it's for a, me his best performance. Yeah, it was a. It felt a lot more of a personal film the mm-hmm. way he portrayed it. Mm-hmm. But it just it, it kind of struck me that, and I know it's not a, a biopic in any, any way, but see, since Mamma Mia became popular, yeah, it just feels like you were in this kind of era of kind of. Cut, uh, cut price isn't the right word kind of not as high budget musicals mm-hmm. but using using source material from kind of well known pop acts mm-hmm. to kind of uh, push forward the story oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and it, it's just it, it's weird because all three films like well all four because I've seen bits of Mamma Mia 2 and as well they all just feel quite cheaply made yeah, they, they, they all, all four of them look like TV movies, right? Like, and I'm ba- kind of basing that on. Uh, did you ever see Behind the Candelabra? Uh, the I Liberace yeah, biopic, loved it. it was a great which movie. is better than all four of them. Yeah, and uh, that that was because that, that is a proper biopic, and that was a TV. That was and that, a TV that's movie, HB, wasn't it? that was HBO that made that. Yeah, and that was like a TV movie in the states, but yeah, there was a theatrical it, release over here. Over here. Um, that was a great movie. It, it has that. It's just something about the way that they look. Uh, just gives you that kind of feeling of oh, this has kind of been done on the cheap. Like, it doesn't really have the same kind of production values. It's kind of yeah. Like when Mamma Mia came out, I remember we were working the cinema. Well, I I think you were. No, there. I was. Well, I was still working the cinema at the time. I, I've unfortunately seen Mamma Mia in home forms. Well, Ma- Mamma Mia just 
stayed in the cinema for six months and that was unheard of for a film like back then right. it just didn't happen just because the frequency of uh, like blockbusters and movies coming out it just they would stay for they would stay for the period of time they yeah. did and they left Mamma Mia just never fucking left it stayed and it stayed yeah. and it stayed and then it seemed to tap into that genre of right well we need more of this it's kind of like what you well, were saying it, about it's kind of well, it feels like Mamma Mia kickstarted this new kind of sub like sub genre of B movie Right. Where they're kind of, you get in at least one big star. Mm-hmm. Like in the Mamma Mia case, you've got uh, Meryl Streep. Everyone else is kind of either a bit older kind of character. It's all kind of character actors. Mm-hmm. Or Amanda Seyfried, who I'd imagine isn't that expensive these days. Mm. Um, or like in the case of uh, like Rocket Man and um, Bohemian Rhapsody, you get kind of younger guys who are still kind yeah, of Richard Madden, st- still kind of up yeah. and coming. How Richard Madden gets work, man? Fucking that. You know, like him. He's enough. fucking useless. I I liked him in Rocket Man, and I like him. I think he was uh, good as uh, Rob Stark. Ro- Rob Stark is one of the most boring characters on earth. I I'd fine with him. I've not yeah. seen The Bodyguard, but apparently that's very good as well. Yeah. But yeah, I know. Like I know what you mean because like you're saying you got a feel of like the man Elton John or whatever, mm-hmm. but. It, Watching that, it's the same as when I watch Les Mis. I get a feel of who Jean Valjean is, and he's yeah. he's fictitious Aye. in that respect. So I'm like, yeah, but that is like you've got that kind of playing about with that kind of character. Yeah, well, that's actually a, quite a good way to look at it. Like, and ro- watching Rocket Man, Elton John felt like a fully realized character. Mm-hmm. Watching Bohemian Rhapsody felt like a guy trying to do a version of a real guy right okay and not quite for me not quite nailing it right okay whereas because Rocket Man leaned into the more kind of almost fantasy aspect of this real life mm-hmm. it felt a bit more realised right like, like they could do stuff with the character mm-hmm. which was a bit more open to interpretation mm-hmm. from the actors right I mean, personally, I liked uh, Rami Ma- I mean, I don't think he's the best actor. I've been watching Mr. Robot. I think he's quite dull. But I liked him as Freddie Mercury. I was very happy. Again, I'm a fan of Queen. So watching it as a, as a, a fan of Queen and hearing the music and all that, I was kind of caught up in the pageantry and especially that bit at the end with uh, Live Aid. Uh, I was like, this is all great. And again, this is me because I feel like I'm, I'm getting... I'm getting a musical theatre, a theatrical performance of what's going on. I'm not watching Johnny Johnny Cash's Walk the Line or a musical biopic. You know, it was more sorry. <clears throat> I'm, I'm yeah, a biopic of a musician. It was like a musical biopic. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it was that way. I didn't mind that because I was I kind of suspected that's what I was going to get. And the same as Rocket Man. Out of the two films, I mean. I preferred Queen, but again, that is probably because I prefer the music of Queen Elton John, but I still like the music of Elton John. But Taden Egerton gives you a more personal and a more chapter-esque performance of what you're getting yeah. with Elton John. Um, and I going by the trailer as well, I mean, it was very fantasy. It was very, there's a lot of pageantry. Yeah, but I, I, I wasn't really mm-hmm. that into the trailer for Rocketman. Yeah. Like, do you know, to be honest, like... The, the reason I went and saw Rocketman is I'd been to see the Diego Maradona documentary and <laughs> I had four hours to kill before going out for dinner. Right. And I couldn't be bothered going up the road. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, what's, what am I going to do? What's starting now? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, fuck it, I'll go and see Rocketman. That 
worked perfectly into the timing. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad I did, because it was a good film. It was a, a very good piece of entertainment. Yeah. Um, if you if you want like a solid biography, oh you won't get it. You won't get it. No, you won't. Get you'll it. get glimpses of, you'll get the main beats. Yeah, you get the happy bits. You get the tragic yeah. bits. You get the uplifting bits. You get the redemption. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So you, I mean, I talked about Diego Maradona and my thoughts on it. So you're you're a fan of football mm-hmm. and a fan of uh, Asif Kabadi's uh, documentaries. So what was your take on this one? I, I thought it was a very good piece of documentary filmmaking. Yeah. Um, I ha- as you said, I'm a big fan uh, of his of the previous work, mm-hmm. uh, the Amy Winehouse one in particular. Speak much like you have been, Rhapsody. That's the one that speaks to me more because I'm more in. That was the music I'm. Aye, that was your. I was yeah. kind of in debt. I'm deep mm-hmm. in that. Um, it's it's a a tragic tale uh, of a guy who, from the age of fifteen, had all the responsibility of looking after his family, mm. being the main breadwinner, uh, having all that pressure on top of him, and to see how then the how his life kind of spirals out of mm. control because he's not he's not psychologically prepared no. to deal with what is yeah. what is given to him. He's catapulted yeah. into fame. Yeah, and then how he's kind of he's used and abused by the people around him. Yeah. Uh which makes matters worse. Uh, it was it's uh it's a tragic tale. It's uh, there's a lot of really kind of grim moments in it. A lot of the grim stuff as well surrounding the culture of Italy at the time. Yeah, like the racism yeah, and all that, just man. The, yeah, sheer, that was... the sheer level of racism. Yeah. Um, from, from not only just the Italians to foreign players, but to their own people more yeah, than Yeah, because Napoli is like seen as like a fucking yeah. peasants and skin mark on society. Yeah. It was, yeah, I was really sad. There's stuff I did not know about yeah. that. But again, there's a lot of that in football in the 80s. But yeah, <clears throat> that, that was something that I. It it kind of, in in many ways, it's not just a it's not just a documentary about Diego Maradona. It's a it's a documentary about that part of Italy as well. Yeah, and just the way yeah, cause it can it, swallow someone up. Yeah, and like spit them back out. Because I think I felt um, was interesting that the way like Maradona like he went from Boca Juniors to Barcelona. He had two years of Barcelona, which he did nothing. Yeah. He went to Napoli, who were a, a dirtbag team at the time, facing relegation, that kind of thing. So it's as much about how Napoli, Naples as a city, mm-hmm. embraces him and how much pressure they put on him as a city. Mm-hmm. Um, and how much of his own kind of life is, is forged by that. Mm-hmm. Like even when he like goes to the World Cup and stuff like that, it's like, like you're you're Argentinian, but you could make the argument that as much much of your game is the Italian game, mm-hmm. and much of your lifestyle is what you have learned from being a, being amongst the Italians because mm-hmm. it was at such an early age. And the the kind of criminal underground yeah, as well. It's it's a it's a very good documentary. It's, uh, as a trilogy of documentaries, uh, the. I think and still think the Amy Winehouse one's the best. I believe you think the Senna, Senna, Senna yeah. one's yours, um, but I think that they are all of a very high standard, uh, and probably aren't all just as good as each other. Yeah, uh, I mean the subject. I, 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 I imagine like you went and saw it with Danny Matthews. 
Did. And I would imagine he'd probably say the Diego Maradona one's the best because that is where his. Do you know? I never, of, I never uh, asked Danny. What, I never asked Danny what the best one was for him. Uh, I mean, the the thing with the, the the filmmaker is he takes a subject. I mean, I didn't know a lot about Ayrton Senna. I mean, I I know Formula One in terms of like my stepdad enjoys Formula One, and my well, my year of being involved in it or whatever was the Michael Schumacher, David Coulthard. So it was, mm. it was way after Ayrton Senna. So I didn't really know much about the guy. Um, but well, my, my only, before that film, mm-hmm. my kind of experience of Ayrton Senna was the Sega Mega Drive game, Super Moto GP 2. Uh, no, it was like Ayrton Senna's Super Moto GP 2. Mm. Uh, so that's how I knew who Ayrton Senna was. Right. See, I mean, I didn't know much about him, but the the, the, the documentary filmmaker weaves uh, the, the, the footage and produces such a... Uh, such a, a just a, an uplifting story with a very tragic ending um, of someone who you know wasn't afraid to go against the grain spoke his mind and was a, a hell of a talent in uh, the field that they were in and was against the odds a lot I think what's ah. what's kind of interesting is all the subject matters Ayrton Senna Amy Winehouse Diego Maradona especially with the Winehouse and Diego Maradona um, it it takes you behind the headlines because Amy Winehouse was a very talented singer but because of like tabloid newspapers and headlines I mean they were seeing her at her absolute worst the documentary for Amy shows this vulnerable person thrust into limelight who just wants to be loved and is therefore and is kind of used by the folk around them at such a young age and it leads to their downfall Diego Maradona was very much the kind of same thing as well so I don't know just the, it was the guy the guy the guy's got such a talent for like moving the viewer past the headlines and finding out the real person yeah. the person you perhaps didn't know uh, who wasn't on the football pitch or wasn't in the the musical in the music studio making albums so yeah it was um uh, yeah it was it was great i mean whenever i see uh, uh, the next documentary i'll be like yeah well it might be about somebody i've no fucking clue about but i'll be like yep i'm i'm watching that um been saying that i've what was I've always liked uh, historical biopics or documentaries. If if it's particularly if they're made well, it can get interest me in a subject yeah. that I never knew anything about. But you know, I'm drawn to it by its how it's produced. Yeah, well, I think I find that with documentaries, that if if something's presented in a way that's engaging, yeah. any subject is can be a really good kind of viewing experience. Yeah, because if you if it's if it's engaging, you're learning from it. Yeah, um, like a lot of the. ESPN 30 for 30s they're excellent Uh, I think they're all well vast majority of them are all really good and a lot of them are sports like basketball I don't care about baseball well baseball I've got a passing interest in but again but one one of the best ones of those was uh, The Price of Gold which was uh, the Tonya Harding uh, documentary uh, of which a lot of I, Tonya is based Mm. on that's also a great uh, movie which is yeah it is also a very good movie Mm. Um, and that that's a fairly engaging documentary. Yeah, and you're like, it's about ice skating. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, but it's about it's about so, uh, something you've maybe heard of, mm-hmm. but it kind of goes into as like there's a story behind the story, yeah. big story. Um, so you watched Diego Maradona. So you then watched um the superhero film. What was it? Well, to call Brightburn a superhero film is sorry, Brightburn is... the. Psychological horror? I wouldn't even call it psychological horror. horror. It's out now. Well, it's not. Okay, it, right, Brightburn. Uh, it's um, 
Elizabeth Banks. Um, she, uh, her, right, okay, I'll start again. Brightburn uh, is based on the old Superman uh, origin tr- uh, story. Uh, it has all the tropes of um, of that of that story, um, except once uh, the alien child reaches puberty, um, instead of going down the di- the direction of truth, justice, the American way, he becomes uh, more of a malevol- malevolent god kind of sociopathic killer. Um, it stars Elizabeth Banks. Uh, it is directed by. I will just get this up. Um, well, it's, it's first of all, it's uh, from James Gunn's pr- uh, production company, and is written by his brother, uh, who I believe also wrote uh, parts of Cabin in the Woods. Do you believe? Correct in thinking that, Tony. Oh, uh, possibly. Yes, possibly. Uh, Double check that. As per usual, we're we're really well researched as per usual. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so Brian Gunn is... uh, Oh, Brian and Mark Gunn, both of them. Mm. Uh, Who, wrote... Full fuck, Journey 2, featuring The Rock. (laughs) Beltor, man, yeah. Uh, bring it on again, yes, Beltor. Did you like bring it on no, again? No, I did not. It's fucking shocking. I'm talking bitch. Okay. Uh, it's directed by D- David Yarovetsky, mm-hmm. uh, who had an acting part in Guardians of the Galaxy. He <laughs> he directed the Guardians of the Galaxy Inferno music video, which is at the end of Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Oh, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and a horror film The Hive. Uh, oh. I think I've seen the hive. I think, I, that's the one with the sure. gi- I think that's the one with the giant killer bees in some remote. It's a, it looked like an asylum film, but anyway. Yeah. Um, so as I say, it's a take on the Superman origin story tropes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really need to go into much detail. It follows very. It's very much like see the the first, uh, maybe hour of Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. It's very much that, mm. except um, th- there's a scene in Man of Steel which this actually kind of apes, mm-hmm. in which um, it's Superman, uh, Superman, Clark Kent, and his pal are getting bullied and he gets knocked down mm-hmm. and uh, he gets picked up, mm-hmm. uh, he takes a hand. Um, so they, they do that, they kind of do that scene. But instead, that's the turn of where you see he's becoming a psycho kid. Like, you see that in the trailer. Yeah, and he, he breaks this lassie's hand. And from there on in, everything just spirals out of control. And he realises that uh, he's this alien who's out to destroy the world. That is why he's been mm. sent from space. Mm. Uh, and it's about and kind of how his parents, how Elizabeth Banks, who is his mother... Um, refuses to accept that that's that these things are being done by this child yeah and eventually she has to kind of get to that point and it's brutal this is a lot of real brutal violence in it mm-hmm. uh, some really good gore um the performances are all pretty good um it's got a pretty bleak ending which also then takes a piss out of uh the current d de- well Probably more so Zack Snyder's uh, DC universe. Um, 
which which is a really good Michael Rooker cameo. Um, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a sort of, it's <clears throat> pretty well written. Script's pretty good. Uh, it's a tight ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. It rattles along at a good pace. Does what it has to does has to do. Um, doesn't get bogged down in lore. Right. Like it doesn't try and explain uh, where this where he's come from or anything like that. It's you get came from space. Okay, you're here to kill everybody. Let's get that done. And that's that. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I would if you're if you're looking for a way to kind of just pass ninety minutes, mm-hmm. it you would be well done to kind of put it on. Uh, okay. Um. Oh well, fair enough, man. Um. But yeah, would you enjoy it? Then I did. You yeah. No, it? I, I liked it. Um. Okay. Yeah. I, it's 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 a sol- it's a solid entry into cinema history. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, yesterday, me and you went and watched uh, the reimagining, the reboot, reboot, re- remake, remake of uh, Child's Play, uh, which is not a solid entry into cinema history. Ah, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, remake of uh, the late nineties horror. Uh, sorry, late eighties horror, um, where the antagonist is a doll who. Played by Brad Dourif is wanting to kill a young boy and get his body and uh, go off and be a person again. Uh, this takes a different turn. It is 2019 and Chucky is now basically... The, the synopsis is this. Imagine Alexa um, was a psychopath. Um, that's pretty much what it is. Chucky is uh, an... An AI doll uh, that is hooked up to um, this big network. Let's call it Amazon. <laughs> I don't know what it, it was. I don't know. I can't um, remember the name of it. it but. Yeah, it started with a K, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, Caslin. Caslin, yeah. So, yeah, and it is basically everyone has got these dolls, and you can control them to do this and do that, and play music if you want. And basically, it is this companion. And what happens is Aubrey Plaza. And her son moved to this town and uh, Aubrey Plaza works at a toy shop and then she gets a defunct uh, Chucky, which we later... Sorry, a defunct Buddy. He's not called Chucky at this point. Which we find earlier in the film was made in a a Vietnam factory by a disgruntled Vietnamese uh, worker who basically takes away all the safeguards. Safeguards that this doll wouldn't have. Yeah. Violent inhibitions and etc. etc. And then the Vietnamese worker kills himself and this doll goes off into the world. Aubrey Plaza gets it and um the this buddy doll as it's called, uh, calls itself Chucky, it's voiced by Mark Hamill. Um there's a lot of kind of little comedic things about it. Um I find I find compared to the original Child's mm-hmm. Play this one is played more as a kind of schlocky comedy. It is, yeah, I would say that. It's a schlocky comedy in the millennial generation. Um and it is uh there's a lot of, like there's 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 a lot of comedy through it, but there's not it doesn't feel like an out and out horror. But to be fair, my argument being then is maybe we've come so far that the idea of Chucky the doll being this kind of horror element is maybe outdated. However, it I, also I, I would argue against that because the reason that I think that the Chucky films 
needed, well, could probably have probably needed to be rebooted, is because as a series that had went from out and out like attempts at as being an out and out horror franchise. Mm-hmm. To it became a comedy franchise. Yeah, probably Child's Play three onwards. But as I said, it's not just a doll. This is an AI thing that's got fucking access to all kinds of shit. And uh, at one point, one of the characters says, uh, "Once it's revealed, oh Chucky, uh, this buddy doll um, that Andy Aubrey Plaza's son oh, it, it owns can swear, it can do this, it can do that, and it's got all these kind of things. It's um, that its safeguards have been taken off." And the kind of film plays out like Chucky is viewing human interaction. Uh, oh, he has feelings, by the way. It's not just a straight-up AI. He's develops human yeah. feelings and a personality in that respect by viewing uh, Andy and his friends and how they operate. And he basically wants to fit in and be friends with them. And at one point, they're watching a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film, and they the they're laughing at how funny all the bloodthirst is and the blood gore, the goriness and the action is. That Chucky sees this as funny and wants to entertain them by then trying to engage in violent behavior. Um, to which he's told, "No, don't do this." So a lot of the film plays out like this: outcasted friend who basically becomes a weird stalker. You ever seen the movie Single White Female? It's, yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like that, except it's a doll uh, who can control AI. Uh, sorry, who can control various electronic uh, media and, um, well, I mean, if it, to a certain point, if you want, to, the, the sequel could be weapons, you know, who knows. Um, but uh, yeah, one of the point at one point the car- one of the Andy's friends does say when they're explaining what Chucky does and what he can do and what he can't do, they said, "You know, this is the start of every Robo Apocalypse film." And I was like, "Yeah, exactly. This is this is where we're going to go with this." Um, but it slow—I don't even say it slowly. It c- completely kind of descends into this farcical, funny pastiche of. Like other kind of films, it's got subtle. It's got little references to like RoboCop um, and other eighties movies. It never. I don't think it ever references its it, the past Chucky movies. It probably does, um, but it it really does become ridiculous. But I mean, I don't know. I, I don't really know what else to say about it. It's, I, I it's, a, it's a ridiculous guff of a movie, but I didn't hate it. And yeah, I think like, it's because I was along for the ride, but you Yeah, I I, I wasn't really that into it, to be honest. I I found that there's a couple of bits in it which kind of broke the universe mm-hmm. of it. Right. I know um, I know, I know we, we did talk about it. Which I, which just completely zoned me out of it. Uh it did it did it had set pieces which like there was a couple of set pieces which were which were fun, which were good. Mm-hmm. Um a couple of the deaths were quite good. Um, I just I didn't really fit, I didn't really like the humour in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt a lot of it was too kind of. Oh look, we're making this film about a a killer doll. Oh how how much fun are we having? Which kind of broke the tone. Um, stuff like stuff like the fact uh, stuff like the like he, he's part of an like Chucky the Chucky doll is. Uh, as we say, part of this Caslin network, which runs, it is like it is like Alexa, the Amazon product, where you connect it up to your telly, you connect it up to your sound system. Mm-hmm. They've got um, like an Uber service, which are self-driving cars, so it's connected to that. Uh, later on in the film, you see it's connected to drones, it's connected to 
all these other kind of services, which gives you the impression that Caslin's like the only game in town mm-hmm. that we're living in some dystopian future yeah. where there's where there's only one manufacturer of any kind of goods. You kind of get that from the start when Tim Matheson, uh, who's the he CEO, uh, he is Caslin. He's yeah, a, he's, he's like the, the Caslin and CEO, and he yeah. kind of does almost like a it's almost like a Robocop esque advert yeah so so it's it's trying to be so it's trying to be satirical in a way of about modern culture in the way that we're all obsessed with how like you get like your apple acolytes and and things like that yeah it even does that with some of the weapons like at one point chucky puts blades on drones and i mean like drones are what they are as well so yeah you're 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 right in that respect and I, i just felt that i could appreciate what it was trying to do Mm -hmm. just for me it just all felt really flat because okay. because of certain things that happen, which kind of broke broke the world building okay. for me. Uh, no, I, that, completely valid points. I just didn't. I just didn't hate it. Um, I I'm not saying I'm in any hurry. It is completely forgettable. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think recently, with your formulaic uh, kind of horrors. Like the, I mean, you can't really say you can't really compare this to say like the nun because the nun tries to be a formulate horror, but it's not scary and is shit. Whereas Chucky, for me, at times it kind of knows what it is and it, it and that kind of redeems it and it redeems some of the silliness. But everything you've said, Neil, is completely valid. Yeah, I totally, I I agree with it. I just didn't hate it or didn't. I was kind of along for the ride, and those kind of things didn't bother is me. It, was it just stuff like, um. See, because it's an AI, mm-hmm. so by the time that Chucky's gone full tilt off his nut mm-hmm. and he's got human emotions, yeah. it just it felt that it felt wrong and that it wouldn't it wouldn't play out that way. Right. Okay. Well, like, if you think back to two thousand and one, a Space Odyssey, yeah, which is prime rogue AI material, mm-hmm. at no point does Hal nine thousand go, oh man, I wish you were my pal. No, Hal is... It's cold efficiency. Yeah, it's Hal has a mission. Yeah. Um, Chucky, it's more, like you said, it's it's kind of like single white female. Yeah. Uh, or the hand that rocks the cradle. Right. Or, you know, take your pick on those kind of... Someone who becomes an... Or one hour full, you know, just just someone who wants to be accepted in, in a, a circle of friends or society and is shunned and therefore turns psycho because yeah. they, they want what they want. Well, yeah. I'll give it to you. Like Mark Hamill's performance is pretty good. Yeah, there's like, a kind of, there's a wee bit of Joker esque yeah. there like, as well. Like Brad Dourif, I think's a, a very good character actor when it comes to these kind of things. Yeah, but Mark Hamill's a perfectly good replacement. I yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm just not that he needs the work, but when no. it's like oh, Mark Hamill's voicing it, I'm like, ah, oh, that's good man. Yeah. He's he's dead reliable like that. Yeah, so that was Child's Play. There's not really much else to say about it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not scary. It's kind of funny. It's completely ridiculous. It's guff. You'll forget well, well, about I can, it. I can I can understand how people would would enjoy it. Yeah, it just did absolutely nothing for me. But yeah, it is not. Well, to be fair, to be fair, if you watch the original Child's Play, which I, mean, I haven't watched that in a while, Child's Play two used to scare the shit out of me. And Paco has recalled reco- reco- the time when he was younger and it scared the shit out of him, and he tried to wake his brother up by pulling his eyelashes out. Um. Or that was that predator. Yeah. No, one of them I anyway. think I was child's play. Yeah, I mean, don't wrong. Back in the day, that was kind of scary, but it is that kind of 
passe term of like it's it's not even in the eighties when you think about it, it wasn't scary. Looking yeah. back at it, it's not scary. It's more funny than scary. Yeah. Same as like the Nightmare on Elm Street films, but. Uh, this doesn't try to be scary. There's some brutal deaths in it, but yeah, it's it's it is what it is. It's completely forgettable. Aubrey well, Plaza is a strange choice. Yeah, as well, right? I didn't think Aubrey Plaza was particularly very good in this. She was a strange casting yeah. choice, though. but again, I like it. I like it. She kind of like you said it as well, Neil. She kind of has this shtick. She has a thing. Yeah, and how she she approaches uh, her acting, or she's got her own way and her own technique and her own kind of presentation of a character. It just didn't seem to fit yeah. with the Aubrey Plaza I'm used to seeing. Maybe it's because I'm so used to seeing her yeah, in Parks and Rec. But uh, like, she has the same shtick and everything. She, right. um, it, wor- it works in Parks and Rec. Mm. It works in Ingrid Goes West. Is that a good film? Ingrid Goes West, all right. Yeah, yeah. I've heard this pretty um, it, it just didn't work for me in this. Oh, at no point did I believe she had a 12 year old child no I, I thought that they were brother and sister yeah and yeah. If, if it had been that it would have been more believable yeah yeah. Um, but yeah that was that and then me and you went and watched I guess it's the the movie of the week uh, certainly probably the high the, the most anticipated film of the week and that is uh, Pixar's Toy Story 4 um, yep fourth of the franchise it's Wow, 24, let me see, when was that? I think it was like 95, 96 it was out. Yeah. So it's like, it's about, it's 24, 23 years old. And it's like nine years since the last one. Yeah. Um, the trailer, I wasn't too enamoured by. I remember watching the trailer for Toy Story. It was the first time I felt disappointed. It felt like a mash of Toy Story 1 and 2. Toy Story 3 was such a good send-off for the characters. I really wanted to know what the fourth one offered. Um, so brief synopsis of Toy Story 4 um, here's your brief synops- synopsis oh, of Toy Story 4 have you seen 1, 2 and 3? there you go <laughs> yeah I would say I really enjoyed it um, it's definitely the weakest of the four um, and it is it mashes a lot of the same ideas that you've already seen in yeah. it the, the opening 20 minutes is Toy Story 1 the middle section is Toy Story 2 uh, and the kind of it, the end is kind of a mix of Toy Story 2 and 3 mm. yeah um, well okay rather than give a cryptic kind of thing like that we'll just say basically what it is I mean where we left off the toys um, are now in the possession of a wee girl called Bonnie who is just starting kindergarten and uh Woody goes along to her first day of kindergarten and she makes a new character called uh, Forky and it's basically about how Forky is an important person, important toy and character in Bonnie's life and hijinks and Susan which sport, uh, Forky goes missing and the toys have to get her back and that's pretty much the base synopsis of it and then other things happen as well but yeah. like Neil said For, it's nothing you've kind of not seen already in the other Toy Story movies like when I saw the trailer the bit in the trailer which I thought okay that might have potential is where you see Woody and Forky kind of alone on a night in the night in the road and they're having, it felt like it was maybe going to be a road movie type thing mm. but Forky is essentially just a MacGuffin yeah. in that film yeah he is and 
it's just another vehicle for Woody to have another existential crisis about being a toy and what being a toy is. And it's, I, I mean, ultimately... It's, it's ground we've covered in three movies. Yeah, it is. I mean, the themes of it are what's your place in the world at, at a certain point in your life? And that kind of is examined very much with Woody um, because he's in a very different place than what he was at the end of Toy Story 3. It's very much an arsehole, isn't it? I, I, at first I was kind of like, mm, I wasn't sure, but I... I kind of... I, I didn't think he was an arsehole. I could relate to a lot of his motivations because I didn't think that he was... His mo- I don't think his, I don't think he, his intention was to be an arsehole. There's times he does come off like that. Same as in Toy Story. Yeah, right, okay, well, it's like... Well, that's, a, that's mm. what, a, a fair point, that it has a lot of those themes of Toy Story 1 mm-hmm. where he's, he feels he's no, lo- he's no longer top dog. Yeah. So he becomes a bit of a dick in order to compensate for it. Mm. In Toy Story 1, it's like it feels like he... He wants to be top dog. He spends a lot of time trying to get rid of Buzz Lightyear and then slowly but surely they become friends and this, that and there. With Toy Story 4, it's he's not top dog anymore but he feels like he needs to be, he needs to do something to feel responsible or feel like he's got a place in the world because he's very much lost his lost his part. See, I, I'm maybe... The cynicism in me read that slightly differently. The way I read a lot of that stuff, where uh, like Bonnie's crate made four K, so uh, Woody brings him home and he's like, "Okay, we've got this is four K. We've got to look after four K. Four K's the new guy." You get a lot of him looking after four K, and through doing that, he becomes the toy, which is also always there. Mm. I read that as being. Him then getting gratification through his him looking after this toy, but it gets him closer to Bonnie, as if that's going to then put him back up the pecking order. See, I I saw that as a more all right, I, his motivations to be a bit more selfish. I I didn't read it like that, man. I didn't. I I read it as in, I mean, again, he helps Forky be a thing. But I don't really see it as in. I still I watch that film the whole time because there's loads of time Buzz Lightyear's like, or it's like, do you want me to take the next shift? I'll watch for He's like, no, no, I've got this. I need to do this. And a lot of it for me was he feels like he needs to do it because he needs to have a sense of purpose because mm. um, he is at that point where he doesn't feel like he does have a purpose anymore, or and and as the film goes along, he ends up kind of realizing why he doesn't have a sense of purpose or where he should be uh, in his, at this point in his life and that's and I mean the, the first I won't we won't talk about the first scene in the film but watching the first 10 minutes of the film I worked out pretty much what yeah, the film was going to be about you knew that you knew how it was going to end you knew how you knew where you were at um but I I did I I I, I found it quite emotional at times um I found the ending to be quite a mix a mix I'm a mixed mixed bag of happy and sad um, again, it kind of leaves it open ended. There could be more, but I, don't I really, really hope there isn't. We don't need any more. We don't. Um, Pixar, go do something else. Um, yeah. But I, but I did enjoy this. Um, even though it didn't, it elevated some things. I liked it. it. Elevated some of it, but most of it was repetition. Yeah. Well, don't get me wrong. It had some really good bits in it. 
Yeah. And there was some stuff I, I laughed out loud at. Like mm. Keen Peel as the two stuffed animals. They were good. They were fantastic. They they were probably the best stuff in it. I thought the um, unicorn had the best line. The the unicorn was fantastic as well. Yeah. Uh Keanu Reeves as the stunt toy. Aye. Was Crash. It, um fuck what was that name? Anyway. Uh, uh, he was really good. Yeah, uh, he, the evil could be yeah. kind of toy. Um Although, and I was saying this to you earlier, mm. now that we live in a post-Lego movie world, mm. uh, a lot of the stuff that he does, mm-hmm. like when he's showing you all his poses and stuff like that, we've seen it. In felt the... very much mm. the same as stuff you'd get in a Lego movie. Yeah, um, I I thoroughly I did I thoroughly enjoyed it, even though I wasn't as surprised or as elevated as I was the the previous three. I still enjoyed uh, watching this chapter, even though it's kind of unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure I am I am will be the outlier in mm. this one, mm. but I just it just didn't really it fell a bit flat for me just because I feel like I've seen it all before and like your sport like Woody Woody as a character his his journey in that film is the driving journey. Yeah, his is the main driving force in it. Mm-hmm. And because I just felt like he was an asshole for so much of it, mm. when you get that moment when he realise realizes, oh wait, I've been a bit of an asshole, it's like, mm. well, fuck you, mate. Yeah. Okay. You've shat all over these people. <laughs> okay. Um well I mean as I said, I, I kinda took a different thing from it, but anyway, agree to disagree and such. Um next week we have a film I can't wait for. Oh yeah, uh, and that is the follow up to Hereditary uh, Midsummer. Not that it's a sequel; it's the director follow up to it, um, which I'm very much looking forward yeah, to. Yeah, I'm super jazzed about. And also, little a little known little known indie effort, uh, Spider Man: Far From Home. Yeah, I don't know much about that film. Yeah, no more. Uh, it's, uh, it's, popped up out of nowhere. Yeah, like I mean, yeah. who the fuck Spider Man? Yeah, uh, but yeah, it should be. Two, two couple of bel- two belters hopefully for next week and I think in between then do we have do we have Apocalypse now or Groundhog Day? Uh, Groundhog no no that's the week after actually mm-hmm. now that I think about it uh, I will just get a, a re-release there's a, yeah there's a couple of re-releases um, coming to a theatre near you in the next couple of weeks uh, Jaws is one of them um, uh, Jaws is the 13 having seen that film a million times I love it but I've seen it three times in the cinema now and it really elevates the movie. Yeah. If you can, get there. But I'd imagine they'll be... If not sold out already, they'll be selling out fast. Apocalypse Now, the final cut. The final cut, A yeah. new cut of Apocalypse Now is out. Again, it's my favourite war movie. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'll see how I feel because I prefer the theatrical release, the Redux. We'll see if there's going to be a happy middle ground in, in, in there for this. But yeah, so there'll be loads to talk about. Hopefully, I think I'll finish the wire by then. Uh, uh, the, this week's new releases are Danny Boyle's new effort yesterday. I'll watch that. I know you're not into. It. I have no desire to watch that. It looks fucking guff. Okay. Uh, however, I will ask you one question um, mm-hmm. when you have seen it, and that is: see, because the Beatles haven't existed. Yeah. Why is music still the same? Well, I will watch the film and I'll let you know. Yeah, because I was having this conversation on work. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but it was something at work that, uh, like, 
the the explosion of the Beatles changed so much mm. in the way the music was made, uh, styles of music and things like that. So many bands wouldn't exist mm. if the Beatles didn't exist. Mm. So why is the world of why, for example, does Coldplay's Fix You still exist? Why do why is the world not craft work? <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so we have that. We also have Robert the Bruce. A follow-up to Braveheart. Is that what that is? I, I think uh, the character who played Robert the Bruce, who's also in Scream... No, he's also in Saw 3, and he's also in Equilibrium. Uh, he is playing Robert the Bruce in basically the follow-up to Braveheart, as in what happened to the Bruce in his later years. Oh, okay. Uh, the Queen's Corgi, which Fuck looks fucking awful. that shit. Um, in Fabric... Horror film you were telling me about the other day. Man, that, that, that's out on Friday. That is a very weird sounding uh, horror movie. I would, and I would imagine that would be a GFT effort to go and see. Yeah, that. it will be. Uh, yeah, that is that. That's an eclectic mix yeah. of stuff. Uh, actually, just see what while I'm kind of looking on this page, it's, it's just showing me uh, kind of a poster for a trailer I watched the other day called uh, Ready or Not. Did you see that? Oh tunnel? yeah, is that the one where it's at the big game of hide and seek in the yeah, big mansion? But it's, it's, it's weird, like yeah, it's like uh, they've got a killer by the by like uh, daybreak, yeah, or something weird happens to the family apparently. I the, I, 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 thought, I thought that looked like a lot of fun. I had mixed feelings about it, but mostly I was like, I will watch this. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I see yeah. the trailer for that. But yeah, so join us next week. Hopefully me and Neil will have uh, figured out the old editing and uh, <laughs> this show will be up and running within the hour. Um, yeah, we might even have a guest next week. We'll we might have a guest see what, next see week. See what happens. We'll see if anybody likes us. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, so uh, catch us next week, hopefully. And that was Raptors in the Kitchen.